0: some new coordination for our boys in gold and green rumors were
1: swirling when it started to be a trend then we lost to tommy devito and his little agent
0: friend baker mayfield don't let See your passer rating, 158.3 Don't let them run, don't let them throw Our defense blows
1: Fire Joe, Fire Joe Can't do this crap anymore Fire Joe, Fire Joe
0: Send him out and slam the door I don't care what the fool will say, why drag this sun?
1: Anyway, welcome to episode 158 of the Average Cheese Podcast. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RM Management. Thanks to Dwight at DDG Customs.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Harrison Builders. It's the above average Peter Jones and the below average Dale Lobel for episode 158. There will be no 58 this week because we've got layoffs to talk about. Peter, it's good to see you, by the way. It's yes, good to see you playoffs. (laughs) playoffs. (laughs) Let's do some slices. We got questions from friends, Peter. Now they're not playoff related. So I know we shouldn't talk about draft picks and that kind of thing, but people want to know your opinion. So here goes. First one is from Jack, longtime friend and friend of the show. Should the Packers use next year as an evaluation year for Christian Watson? He's missed like 20 games in his career. I don't know that number, made it up but he's missed a lot of games in his career. Is next year a make or break year for Christian Watson? I don't think it
0: is because the young group is so good. Reed, Wicks, et cetera, et cetera. Bo Mountain, Malik, Heath, Dobbs, I'm forgetting names. I think because that group is so good that I don't think it is a make or break year for Christian Watson if he wasn't a second round draft choice then we wouldn't have the concerns that we have i think that brings its pressure with it especially when you in essence you know you traded another second round draft pick to get him as well so i don't think it is as much as it would be with under different circumstances now do we want to see him come through and have obviously a good year and a, a year without injuries. Absolutely. He'll have two years left on his contracts. And I think that it's not as dire as it otherwise could be. Dire is not the right word.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I understand what you're saying, though. Like it's not, we're not, we don't have to make a decision on Chrisy Watson right now because it's not that serious. And I was going to say what you said. There's two years left on this man's contract. He's on a rookie contract. He's got two years to prove to the Packers he's worth another contract. And you know how it is. The Packers love to sign their own guys. Christian Watson could have two breakout years in a row and make a ton of money playing with the Green Bay Packers. So it's a good question, Jack. Does he have to start playing? Fuck, yes, he does. He's got to start playing games. I get that he doesn't want to be injured, but he is injured a lot. And at some point, I don't care if you're a second round pick or not. The other side of that, though, Peter, is let's say he goes through his four years with the Packers on his rookie contract and he's hurt for a lot of them. And then Guttenkrais lets him go and he fucking sets the world on fire. That's the risk you take. It absolutely is. But I think that
0: that stuff just happens. I don't think you can live with ifs, whats and maybes. You just have to make the decision that you make at the time that you make it.
1: Thanks for the question, Jack. The other question is from Hound. We haven't heard from Hound. Hound from Australia. He's asking draft questions. He says there's lots of places that we could go in the draft. Safety, offensive line, so on. Is it impossible to see the Packers go center in rounds two or three? Or do they build from the outside in and move Zach Tom to center? That's a good question, Hound. Yeah, that's a
0: great question. There's quite a few questions in there. I think the first thing is you, you you look at where do they pick in round one and the type of player that you're looking for in round one. Now it's probable now that they're picking nineteen, twenty, who, who who knows, and perhaps even even lower than that. And I think that then brings all positions on board. Typically, you're not you know you're looking at those premium positions: edge, offensive tackle, corner quarterback in the top half of the draft I think once you get to the bottom half of the draft that brings the other positions into play the safeties the tight ends those guys now for the Packers I think that you can almost look at any position again and say other than quarterback and probably tight end now you can make a case for taking a guy at let's say, 25 in the in the draft at almost any of the other positions, whether that's safety, whether that's defensive line, whether that's linebacker corner. So I think that's where they are in terms of the first round. The impression that they've given, in fact, you know, Adam Stenovich has pretty much come out and said it in earlier press conferences. They like the way that Josh Myers has been playing.
1: I don't, but I'm not a coach either. So you're saying that they will not likely go center in rounds two or three?
0: I would doubt it. I would doubt it very much. So I'm not sure that they would see that an out-and-out centre is a position of huge need. But Hounds also hit the nail on the head there. They also know that they've got guys in-house right now that can challenge for that spot, whether that is Zach Tom, whether that's even John Runyon, who's who's played some snaps at centre this year. So I don't think they would go out-and-out for a for a centre. I do think they'll pick on offensive tackle, whether that's in round one or in rounds two or three. And I think because typically those guys, you can move them inside, Sean Ryan, for example. So I think you're more likely to go with tackle early and move that guy inside than you are to go for an out-and-out interior offensive lineman, unless they're really good. You know, the Packers hit on Elton Jenkins, for example, but there aren't too many Elton Jenkinses around. There aren't too many Quentin Nelsons around for you to go and say, I'm going to take a
1: guard early. Is there a Creed Humphrey in this draft? A guy that you like like you did, Creed Humphrey? Not right now. There's
0: some solid centers. I mean, the guy at Georgia, Cedric Van Praan's a good player. There isn't one that jumps off the board to me like Creed Humphrey did those years ago.
1: So the Packers are in the playoffs. They play the Dallas Mike McCarthy's. In round 1, how about a little Packers Cowboys history, Peter? Before you do Packers Cowboys history, I have to tell you when I was at the game, they have like signed memorabilia and stuff out there and to like raffle off for charity. Ice Bowl picture was one of the pictures. It was like a silent auction, but I don't have $750 Green Bay Packers <laughs> <laughs> that I could just burn. And that would have been the because we got there stupid early, stupid early, because I wanted Kate to be able to walk around the stadium. She's never been able to do that or whatever. So we're walking around. We would have been the first bidder, too, at seven fifty or whatever it was. I'm like, oh, fuck no. I got a kid in college and a drinking <laughs> habit I got to pay for. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. That picture, which I would love to buy if I was a millionaire, was one of the things you could buy. Tell me more about Packers Cowboys history, please. A series
0: that goes back to the early 1960s when the, when the Cowboys first came into the NFL, Packers were ahead in the series 21-17. to 17. It's a series which includes 8 postseason games. Now, the good news is the Packers have won nine of the last 10 games in this series. It doesn't feel like that, but they have. The teams have tied 4-4 in postseason games, with the Cowboys leading 4-2 at home. And as we know, in the 1990s, those three years that, that the Cowboys knocked the Packers out was bitter, painful, right. very, very, very painful. Yeah, both teams come into this game with... 36 post-season victories, which is interesting. One behind the Patriots in, in NFL history. So again, you know, the so Packers won a number of their championships, when there was only the championship game or even before the championship game. But it's just interesting. The Patriots sit there with 37 post-season victories, Cowboys and Packers with 36 each. Yeah, and a number of famous games in this series. Obviously, the Ice Bowl you just mentioned, the NFL Championship the year before that, Packers went down to Dallas and, and won in probably what Bart Starr's greatest single-game performance down there to win the NFL Championship. Those three playoff games of the 90s, which I keep mentioning and shouldn't bring up. The Des Bryant, the Des dropped it game in... In Green Bay a few years ago and then that famous Packers last second field goal win Crosby field goal from 50 when I say 56 yards 53 56 yeah. I, don't, I don't know Yeah, know with the Rodgers pass to Jared Cook Jared on it on Cook. the on the on the sideline and you know a series that's got a lot of history and a lot of very exciting games in it
1: yeah you know you talk about rivalries right the Bears are a rival the Vikings are a rival and so on I would count the Cowboys Maybe as a bigger rival to me, because of the stretch of games in the 90s, I was becoming an adult fan. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, ah, fuck it, no big deal. But those games in the 90s were painful because those were really good Packer teams and really good Cowboy teams, to be fair. The Cowboys, who were one of my favorite teams when I was a smaller child, I absolutely hate the Cowboys now. The game in 2016, Peter, that is... I think my favorite Aaron Rodgers throw of all time to Jared Cook. Jared Cook with his toes in, the balls out of bounds, That going to his left, throwing down that sideline. Awesome. Do you also remember there was that guy... He was the famous Twitter picture. Like, they left him 37 seconds. Like, he's a Packer fan in the middle of all those Cowboy fans. Do you know what I'm talking about or no? no? No. No? I'll see if I can find it and send it to you. But he's like, they left too much time on the clock for Aaron Rodgers. It might have been 56 seconds. I don't know what it yeah. was. I think it was 56 seconds or whatever. But he's standing there with a smile on his face where all the Cowboys ch- fans are cheering. And You know what's also great about that?
0: You just knew Mason Crosby was going to kick it. Yeah. You just knew yeah. that he was going to make that kick. And what made that even better is that thing curved in didn't it right at the last and didn't they ice him didn't
1: he kick it twice
0: he did kick it twice
1: yep yeah (laughs) money
0: mason crosby right there it's really interesting what you touch on about the rivalry thing though because the packers bears is a huge rivalry but its difficulty is typically throughout 103 year history or whatever it is both teams haven't been great at the same time so you know when the bears were really good The Packers weren't so good. When the Packers have been really good, the Bears haven't been so good. Whereas the Packers-Cowboys, for the last who knows how many years, both been pretty damn good.
1: It's hard to make it a rivalry when one team isn't any good. I mean, shit, when we were young in the 70s and stuff, the Packers were awful in the late 70s. The Bears just steamrolled them through the 80s. All right, Cowboys coaching and executives. Jerry Jones is the owner, president, GM, scout. Jerry Jones thinks that he's running the entire organization. I know you own it, Jerry. And he's got his son the no nepotism here as the COO. And he also evaluates players because that's what your son would do, right? Mike McCarthy, former Packard coach, is the head coach. I'm happy for Mike McCarthy that he got another shot. He's clearly a good football coach. I know that Dallas has a bunch of talent. We'll talk about their roster in a minute. He's also enough of a leader of men to not let it, let them completely go off the reservation because there are a lot of times when talented teams just, they're so egotistical or they're so into themselves that they don't win football games, even when they should. And here they are second seed in the playoffs and they, they consistently make the playoffs. He needed to be out of green Bay. The time had passed.
0: I'll go outright and say it now. If the Packers don't win it, the Super Bowl this year, which, which is a big, which is a big if, big if. I, yeah. I, I, I understand that, but if, if but if, the, I would like to see Mike McCarthy win it, I don't know. It pains me to see the Cowboys win it, but I would like to see
1: Mike McCarthy. I think he's a good guy. If we could separate the Cowboys and the <laughs> Mike McCarthy thing, I'm all in on Mike McCarthy winning. <laughs> and if we don't win it, absolutely. Uh, as offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer. That's a name you've heard before the late marty shot harbor he took over for is it kellen kellen moore no who Ooh. was the, yeah. kellen moore yeah, was the kellen offensive moore. coordinator yeah. for a while their offense is freaking awesome so he's doing something with those guys dan quinn is their defensive coordinator this is a very impressive group of guys of coordinators that Mike McCarthy has put in place. You would trade our guys for their guys, I think. Would you? Fuck Yes, you would. I'm not even asking you the question. I'd take Dan Quinn in a heartbeat. They'd be like, Dan Quinn, yes! I wouldn't even let him finish the sentence. Yes. We'll take you. You know, some guys aren't head coaches. He was a head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and he wasn't great at it. Some guys are coordinators, better coordinators than they are head coaches. I think Dan Quinn is that guy. Another name you have heard, John Fossil uh, is the special teams coordinator. I did not know he was in the league this long. He's been in the league for 19 years. Son of Jim Fossil. He was at the Rams
0: before. In fact, if you go back to when the Rams were on Hard Knocks or one of those shows, Oh, he you took over, have... right? Did not did he take yes. over
1: for fucking Captain Milk Toast? I can't remember his name. Kevin. Oh, fuck. I can't think of his name right now. But you know, yeah, I didn't realize that that was him until you just said that. When I was watching that Hard Knocks, he kind of like, he was like in his element. You would think that a guy is a special teams coordinator, but he was in his element. Yeah, I thought he did a heck of a job as the head coach. Taking over, that's not an easy situation. That's like being a substitute teacher. Like, shit, that thing could really go south. Scott Tolzine, former Badger and Packer. Scott Tolzien is the quarterback's coach. I will say that Scott Tolzien was not a great quarterback. He felt like he was a smart quarterback. And that's what you need to be a good coach, right? You need to be able to teach things to the quarterback. You don't have to be great at it. And I would say that actually a lot of great athletes are terrible coaches because they don't understand why you can't fucking do it. There's a bunch of other dudes on this list I've never heard of. Anybody on the defensive side? besides? Well, let's talk about Al Harris. So when the Packers were stumbling on defense, there was a lot of social media clamoring for Al Harris, who is the defensive backs coach of the Cowboys, to possibly move over and be the DC of the of the Packers. Just general thoughts. I'm not asking you whether he should be the next defensive coordinator, but thoughts on Al Harris.
0: Well, I think he's done a good job in, in Dallas. You look at the, the defensive secondary and you look at Certainly their ability to force turnovers and force big plays. I think he's done a really, really good job there. Yeah, I I think he's one of those guys that is going to land a defensive coordinator's job in the NFL. May not be next year, but it's going to be in the next, in the forthcoming few, few years. And I'm sure he'll do a good job wherever he goes. I think he's that kind of guy.
1: He is a part of one of my favorite plays in Packer history when he picked off Matt Hasselbeck. If you were to go back in the way back machine and think like, was Al Harris stupid fast? No. Was he physically gifted? No, but he was a damn good corner. And he came to the Packers from the Eagles, I want to say. So he was on the back oh, half of his career and still played at a high level. That's a guy that, again, watches tape, smart player, that kind of thing. That I'd say that's why he's a good coach. And I agree that he is going to be a defensive coordinator At some point. Is he there yet? As much as I don't want Joe Barry as the defensive coordinator, I'm not sure I'm ready for a guy like Al Harris to cut his teeth with a Packer team that's going to be coming off of the playoffs from the year before. Go somewhere else. Learn how to be a coordinator. Then maybe. Excited for him. Anybody else we want to talk about on our coaching staff before we move on? Raina Stewart (laughs) is on the Cowboys staff. Raina Stewart, the perennial assistant special teams coach. Oh, my gosh. He must be a super dude. The Packers special teams was awful when he was here. All right. Anyway, let's move on. Um, No Packers, who used to play with the Cowboys. Rich Bisaccio, who's been with a lot of teams, was also Cowboys special teams coordinator and the assistant head coach there, too.
0: Who the hell is Kyle Wilber, Peter? He's the Packers special teams
1: quality control coach. He was with the Cowboys? Played for the Cowboys for six seasons. Okay. What is a special teams quality control coach? Like, hey, we got an extra hundred grand. Let's just make up a title for this dude. You know you got too much money when you're hiring guys, which is you're just making up shit with that title. Cowboys who are with the Packers? None. Corey Ballantyne, not with the Cowboys ever. No players. Any Badgers on the roster? Yep. Jake Ferguson, who I really liked as a tight end. And I remember talking to you about this. Could give the Packers fits. Tyler Biotish, also a former Badger, and Scott Tolzien that we talked about before. You were right about
0: Jake Ferguson. You were more right about Jake Ferguson coming into the draft than I was. But I had watched a lot
1: of Jake Ferguson, to be fair. Yeah.
0: Turned out to be a really good player.
1: He's an all-around tight end. Hindsight, I'm glad the Packers didn't draft him because I think Tucker Craft shows more upside than Jake Ferguson has. I think he's more athletic than Jake Ferguson. But they are similar in they can do both things, block and they can catch passes. I thought he was a good player. But again, like I said, I, saw, I watched him play for four years. So I should have a better insight into some of the Badgers than you do. Of Cowboys that were drafted, the 2023 Cowboys draft, who did you like the most? Who was your favorite?
0: Well, you know what? In their draft, the exciting player was Deuce Vaughn, a running back out of Kansas State. He was like five, five foot two? To, five, five foot six, yeah. Because of his size, he was always going to be one of those guys that was going to be, get picked late in the draft, but he was, he was exciting. But the best part about their draft was the trades that they made with the picks. So they went and got Brandon Cooks from from Houston for a fifth and a sixth round pick. That player is just a good football player who's successful wherever, wherever he plays. And they also went out and got Stefan Gilmore. I know he's at the back, towards the back end of his career, but he's still at a really good corner. So for me, those were the immediate two moves that they made. And they weren't players they drafted. It was the trades that they made to get those two guys.
1: Well, and you don't draft a guy in the fifth round and think he's going to start at corner for you. That's essentially what they did. They Drafted Stephon Gilmore with the fifth in the fifth round, making him into their starting corner is that's a big deal. What about this kid, it, Maisie Smith?
0: Yeah, Michigan. So he was one of those guys
1: that I that I thought was kind of like a a mid to high
0: second round guy. Okay, I, I guess when you're picking twenty six. If that's the guy that you like, he's not going to be there when you pick in the second round, so you take him now.
1: What would have made them pick him? What did you like about him? If he's a second-round guy, he's still a good player. Whether yeah. they reach for him in round one or not, he's still got some skills there. I always ask you these questions like you can remember every word out of your draft guide. He showed them something. If my
0: memory serves me correctly, again, it was a really solid player against against the run and a guy that was improving past rusher we talked about a similar guy last week and I can't remember who it was, but improving pass rush Javon hadn't yet Javon but I, Dexter, yeah. that level of pass rush numbers, which kind of makes you stand out from the crowd and moves you up into the into the first round, if you like, into where, for example, Devontae Wyatt was drafted. I mean, I thought the tight end that they took in the second round in a group of tight ends, we got Tucker Craft, we got Luke Musgrave. Their big plus out of this draft was the trades was the trades that they made for veteran players. I mean, the Stefan Gilmore thing really interests me because you look at Brazil Douglas, right? The Packers got a third-round pick for Rizul Douglas. And even then, you know, you had fans say, we could have got more for Rizul Douglas, you know, second-round pick. Right. The reality is... Stephon Gilmore went for a fifth-round pick. You know, that's where you're kind of setting the the levels, if you like. So third-round pick for Rizal Douglas. Yeah, I know they've given up their fifth-round pick as well, but you've got third-round pick for Rizal Douglas and a bunch of salary cap money back is pretty good deal when you compare it to a fifth-round pick for Stephon Gilmore.
1: Can Deuce Vaughn be an NFL player at his size? Now, there have been guys in the league, Joe Morris from one, the Wayback Machine. Uh, there was a player for the Chargers whose name escapes me at the moment. Is he just a not call him a novelty? That's disrespectful. But can he be a contributor on an NFL team at his size? I think he can
0: be, yeah. But I think it's it's the obvious things, isn't it? It's about limiting the, the carries, it's about using them in the right way. It's about use using them in, in plays where you can get them out in space where they can make people miss. When that guy's your, let's say, the third running back on your roster, absolutely. Because I think you can use them in a multitude of ways. You line them up in the slot if you like, or, or return kicks, punch. Whatever days of a of, uh, Joe Morris. And that's the day that always comes to my mind as well. So we're showing our showing our yeah, there. Joe Morris. I can't remember eight. the
1: other player who played like 10 years ago, but I can remember Joe Morris in the 80s. It's difficult to see that type
0: of back being a 17 game game in game out starter today at that at that size.
1: There's always a guy that will come and prove us wrong. So the Cowboys season so far, they're 8-0 at home. 8-0 at home. They're a, a offensive team. They like the fast track. 12-5, and 5, they're the second seed in the NFC. This is a good football team we're about to play. They beat the Lions and the Eagles. That's... The three seed and the five seed, they beat a lot of bad teams as well. They played the Giants twice. They played the Jets early on. I don't have their schedule in front of me. They played the commanders twice who aren't good. So there are a, a lot of cupcakes on their schedule too. I'm not saying that they are not as good as their record, because I believe they are that good, 12 and five. That that seems right to me. That feels right to me. And they're hosting the Packers in round one of the playoffs.
0: You're absolutely right. And they... Um... And one
1: of their early season losses was to Arizona. There is the odd, you know, hiccup on on the schedule. Okay, so let's look through the depth chart a bit. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Jake Ferguson. We've already talked about him. Dak Prescott is the second highest PFF grade of all quarterbacks. Tony Pollard is taking over for Ezekiel Elliott. They don't miss Ezekiel Elliott at all. They don't have. Like, I'm looking at their PFF grades. Like, their only really bad player is their right tackle. 75th out of 84 right tackles, Terrence Steele. Everybody else is average or above. Where is the hole that the Packer defense can exploit? Like, last week, we knew that blitzing up the middle with Lucas Patrick as the center. What does the defense do against this offensive team? It is going to be a
0: struggle because it's an offensive team
1: that. That moves the ball through the air and on the ground. I would say they're more
0: effective through the air, but then any team that's got CD Lamb backed up, if you like, or the next receivers are Cooks and Jake Ferguson's got 70 catches, they are going to move the ball through the air. CD Lamb set team records for catches and receiving yards and 135
1: catches. 1700. Is that right? 1700. 135
0: catches? 1,749 yards.
1: That's a lot of production. Even in a 17-game season, those are bananas numbers. I thought you'd... Again, sometimes I'm not sure if you're trying to like play games in my head. I almost didn't say anything. CeeDee Lamb is not getting enough love with those kind of numbers. You hear about Justin Jefferson all the time. I had no idea... And he had 135 catches.
0: Well, if you look at the – this is one, two, three, four, five, six. So there's seven games in which he caught more than 10
1: passes. I didn't think he was that guy, honestly. Do you remember when he was drafted? That was the COVID year, right, when he had, like, his girlfriend on the couch and she was trying to look at his phone. Do you remember that? No? (laughs) Because that's when all the players were at their homes, right? There was no green room or whatever they call that thing where all the players sit. He's sitting on the couch next to his girlfriend and the phone rings and she grabs it, takes it off his knee. And he just looks at her, takes it back. I'm sending that to you on the Twitters later. So the, the things that we remember, see I when know. he's being
0: drafted, I'm probably looking down my list of wide receivers, crossing guys off and moving guys up the board or whatever else. And you're yeah, I'm worried about his on cell on
1: phone it. usage, Darren. Damn it. Now I got half of his name, Darren something for the chargers. I'm sorry. I went back to that anyway. This is the same situation as Justin Jefferson. How do you contain CeeDee Lamb? You've got Jair Alexander. If he's if he's right and he's playing well, you would think that that would be the matchup the Packers would try to keep. But the Packers aren't a Jair's going to follow CeeDee Lamb around type team.
0: I would imagine the way that you look at that. Yeah, in an ideal world, if you've got Deion Sanders, you put Deion Sanders on, on CeeDee Lamb and have him follow. There aren't so many Deion Sanderses around today's NFL, I think it's very difficult to shut down a guy like CeeDee Lamb for the whole game anyway. I think you mix up the coverages as much as you can. Alexander, Ballantyne, Ballantyne. I think they've been pretty good. Ballantyne and Ballantyne, certainly the second the second half of this season. The Packers managed to shut down Justin Jefferson two weeks ago, albeit they were on their third string quarterback. All. I often say this with, the, with these star wide receivers, I don't think you do shut them down. I think you just limit them. You'll allow... Seven catches for 90 yards. What you don't want is 13 catches for 190 yards.
1: On the defensive side of the ball, their edge guys are rigging spectacular. I love Michael Parsons. On the other side, though, is it Demarcus Lawrence? Also grading in the 90s. This is a good football team. It's is a playoffs. I get it, right? Like, yeah. you're not playing a bad team. Deron Bland is the second highest rated PFF corner. Stephon Gilmore, also above average. Okay, I'm going to ask you again, Nostradamus, how do the Packers move the football on the Cowboys? Because they have had the ball moved on them. I think you have to run the ball on them, and I think
0: you have to get your tight ends down the middle, get Luke Musgrave down the seam a couple of times. I think that's where, if you're going to exploit a weakness, that might be it. You've obviously got to pass protect, get the ball out of there quickly. The Packers are capable of doing that. When you're the number two seed in the in the NFC with 12 wins, the Cowboys are a good football team. On paper, they're a better team than the Packers. They've got 12 wins. That You are what your record says you are. Exactly. Is not a thing?
1: It is. <laughs> Their kicker finally missed a kick in the last week. Former MLS player, Brandon Aubrey, they found a diamond in the rough there. I wonder if they are not going to start a trend with guys like that. They kick balls. That's what they do. Yeah. This guy's been yeah. spectacular. He, he's proving that this can be a thing, a viable option going forward. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we talked about
0: field goal percentages, you know, and, and the NFL, you need to be 90 plus percent, 95 percent. Even when you're kicking from 50 plus yards, and you, know, you said it, you know Brandon Aubrey, I think it was a game three or four weeks ago, kicked like two 59 yarders in the same in the same yeah. game that would have been
1: good from about 79 yeah. yards. They were- that also changes the way you play offense because you believe your guy is going to kick it from there. You can take more chances because if we don't get this third down, shit, it's 55 yards. Our guy's going to make this kick. And then you
0: get the, the the double plus whammy, if you like. It's not a whammy. It's the double plus. It means that that when you're punting, you're punting from further back and kicking very few touchbacks.
1: Now, field position game, you're winning too then.
0: So you're not stuck in that area. Do I punt? Do I go for it? What What do I do? Because most of that area you can kick field goals from.
1: And their punter, Brian Anger, is averaging 51.4 yards per kick. I mean, it doesn't hurt to kick in Texas, right? And kicking on a perfect turf, and the weather is always nice. And But still, 51 yards per punt is 51 yards per punt. Uh, they don't return the ball much, so maybe that'll be a positive on the Packers side of things. Carlson can at least get it to the goal line. Maybe Cavante Turpin will just put his hands up. Why wouldn't you, though? When your offense is that good, we don't want you fumbling this kick, you dickbag. Just catch it, and let's move on. All right. This is that part of the show where I have to stare you down, Peter. We're going on to the team rankings. But the Packers have improved, so good job. The Packers are 11th in overall offense. They are 12th in passing and 15th in in the run. On the defensive side, they have moved up to 17th overall from 23rd. Was it two weeks ago or last week? Let's go. ninth against the path, and they're still 28th against the run, although they played the run really well in this game against the Bears. Cowboys are both 5th overall in offense and defense. Again, they're a very good team. They're third in passing on offense and fifth against the pass. That's the problem. You would want them to be a bad against the pass team against the Packers because the Packers need to be able to throw the ball effectively. Maybe it's another Aaron Jones waving at him, grabbing his nuts game. Oh yeah. All right. Anything else before we move on to our predictions? Here goes. The Packers are seven and a half point underdogs on the road at Dallas. The over-under is 49.5. The Packers haven't had an over-under that high in a very long time. Your name is first, Peter, but I would go first if, unless you want to. Go ahead. I am picking this with my head, not my heart, because we we both want the Packers to win this game. Of course we do. And I do think they have a chance, but it's a track meet chance. And that's really playing into the strength of the Dallas Cowboys. You can't play a grinded out game. The Packers aren't a grinded out team. That's a long way of saying I think the Packers are going to lose this game and I don't think they cover. I think they lose this game 31-21. So that's the over and the Packers will not cover. And it makes me sad to say this because I can't tell you how happy I was last week.
0: I'm harking back to what we've mentioned multiple times in this podcast and last week's podcast or earlier this week's podcast about those 90s games and the difference between the two teams, a relative difference between the two teams and this game feels like a similar relative difference between the two teams you've got a nine win Packers team which they were back in 93 and 94 as well nine and seven teams of going to a 12 win Cowboys team that's eight and zero at home as you said it feels like that relative difference is about the same I fear a similar-ish type outcome the Packers can win this game, right you, you're absolutely if the Packers are a uh, You know, play mistake-free football, catch a break or two, they can win this game. But the likelihood is that they won't pains me so much. I think the Cowboys win 30 to 20. So the
1: over. You also think the Packers will not cover, but they will go over the points. Next week, we're going to have to look and see after this game. How have our predictions been? It
0: pains me so much. Because what a fantastic feeling it's going to be if the Packers somehow pull this game out. However it happens. I don't care how it happens.
1: No. <laughs> if they win this game, I don't care how it happens either. They could win 2-0 to zero on a safety. I, w- I wouldn't care at all. This has been a fun season. This It feels different. This is a young team. I had expectations for them to be good. But you never know. And especially when we went through that downturn where it, things were going way south. This didn't feel like the outcome of this season. Is that it?
0: I think so. We just keep our fingers crossed. Hope that our heads are
1: wrong and our hearts are right. And go Pack go. Thanks for listening to episode 158 of the Average Cheese Podcast. Go Pack go.